Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Yamamoto Genpo Roshi's uh, academic study is like a stage sword, sharp in appearance, but it cannot cut. Hence, in the battlefield of human life, it is useless. Our practice, on the other hand, is the continuous training of body and mind. And therefore, our very being becomes a real sword. Under any difficult circumstances in human life, because of our training, we have the confidence to overcome obstacles. And here are two verses from The Wheel of Sharp Weapons, composed by the 10th century Indian Buddhist Dharma Rakshika, teacher of Atisha. Depressed and forlorn when we feel mental anguish. This is the wheel of sharp weapons returning full circle upon us from wrongs we have done. Till now we have deeply disturbed minds of others. Hereafter, Let's take on this suffering ourselves. When our minds are unclear and our hearts are unhappy, we are bored viewing virtue but excited by vice. This is the wheel of sharp weapons returning full circle upon us from wrongs we have done. Till now, we have led others to acts of non-virtue. Hereafter, let's never provide the conditions that rouse them to follow their negative traits. A sultry day, sticky, hot, a climate crisis day. Another reminder of the ever-changing nature of phenomena and the urgency of awakening to the always present stillness at the center of the wheel. Yesterday, Chigan Roshi's excellent show we heard about Nansen, his sharp sickle, his blade that cuts through all delusions. Today, we are meeting 
the true sword of Yamamoto Genpo Roshi. And the mind training wheel of sharp weapons of Dharma Rakshika. Ensuring that not one single thing remains. Yamamoto Genpo Roshi was born January 28, 1866. He died June 3rd, 1961. So he was not a man of old. Transcending ancient and modern, they just heard. Right? He lived in the modern era, our era, the era of Nyogen Senzaki, who was born 10 years later, and the teacher of Soen Nakagawa. So, Genpo Roshi is my Dharma great-grandfather. Who was he? What was his life, his teaching? We rarely, if ever, have had a session that coincides with his Memorial Day. June 3rd. And here's another example of an instance of good fortune stemming from the disaster of the coronavirus. Last spring, We started these threefold Sangha meetings, bringing together all three temples, Daibosatsu Zendo, New York Zendo, Zen Center of Syracuse, Hollandi. And combining our sessions on Zoom. In order to keep them three weeks apart, after experiencing what it was like not to have that little interlude, we decided to push ONG's spring session ahead to this weekend. So it has become our spring summer session of 2021. But really, after this talk, you may agree with me that when we can finally come together again, most of us sitting in the same zendo with still a few on Zoom who may be far away or unable to join in person, let's do Impolition session. Many of you have bowed and offered incense in front of the monument for Genpo Yamamoto Roshi at Daibosatsu Zendo. It's across from the stupa where the ashes of Yogen Senzaki, Soen Nakagawa, Edo Shimano and Jimmy Tanahashi are buried. But you may not know how important a figure 
he was and is not only for Rinzai Zen in Japan and for those who established Zen in America, but for world history. So this is a chance to speak about him in some depth. He was abandoned as an infant, left in a bamboo basket on the side of a road. Evidently, his family was in such dire straits that his mother couldn't keep him. And you know, all over the world, not just in the past, not just in other lands, right here now too, there's poverty, desperation, and the anguish of having to give up a baby. So abandoned as an infant, who does this make us think of? Moses. Moses, for sure. Logan Senzaki. right. Of course, the monk found Logan Senzaki as a baby next to the corpse of his mother and brought him to the Senzaki family to raise. But yes, that basket rings a bell. Moses, you may, some of you, who have some familiarity with Christianity and Judaism, you may recall chapter two, of the book of Exodus. When the Jews were slaves in Egypt land, the Pharaoh decreed that all Jewish male babies were to be drowned at birth. Mother of Moses Put him in a basket and hid him in a clump of bulrushes. Eat. He was found and raised, and here's a wonderful bit of irony, by the daughter of the Pharaoh. In Gempo's case, he was adopted by a wealthy landowner. Like the sixth ancestor, he worked as a young man on the family estate as a woodcutter and as a kind of ferryman, pulling a raft. Also, like the sixth ancestor, Unang Eno, he was all but illiterate. In his case, because of problems with his eyesight. His stepfather, although he gave him a home, was tyrannical, severe, beating him nearly every day. His stepmother loved him and tried to keep him from harm. But when he was 11, she died. 
things got worse. Overwhelmed by grief, my anger. He fell in with some bad company and became something of a delinquent, a bad boy. And this really reminds me of my own early life, also with a very violent stepfather. We had deep poverty. My mother, when I was 10, became unexpectedly pregnant with one child after another. There was great unpredictability and despair. She was no longer able to be my mother. And as we all know, I think, you can raise your hand if you don't, inner suffering. Anybody here who has never experienced this? I cannot see on Zoom, but our own inner suffering can cause all manner of reactive behaviors. Maybe inside we see no reason to keep living. Maybe we push our anger down because we're not allowed to express it. Maybe we become self-destructive or transgressive toward others. Accruing even more harmful karma. So, we ourselves turn the wheel of sharp weapons. Life gets even worse. And at some point, those sharp blades cause some recognition, a turning point. I will read those two verses again. Depressed and forlorn, when we feel mental anguish, this is the wheel of sharp weapons returning full circle upon us from wrongs we have done. Till now we have deeply disturbed the minds of others. Hereafter, let's take on this suffering ourselves. When our minds are unclear and our hearts are unhappy, we are bored doing virtue, but excited by vice. This is the wheel of sharp weapons returning full circle upon us, the wrongs we have done. Till now we have led others to acts of non-virtue. Hereafter, let's never provide the conditions that rouse them to follow their negative traits. So when Genko was 19, his stepfather decided maybe if he was married off, he'd settle down a bit. So he was married. And then what? His vision got worse. After four years of treatment, 
the doctors told him he was going blind and that there was no hope of recovery. A shock. The sharp blades returning full circle upon us from wrongs we have done. If we can see it this way, then there is hope of transformation. Usually, what do we do? Oh, poor me. It's their fault. So, how to go on? He knew he had to change his life. He divorced his wife. He renounced his inheritance. And with strong devotion to the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, praying for a cure, he went on a barefoot pilgrimage to the 88 temples of Shikoku, which are associated with the ninth century great Shingon Buddhist teacher, Kuruka Kobo Daishi. The first circuit took him nearly a year. He could barely see. He kept going. And he did more than six circuits. On his seventh round, he draggled, exhausted, barely able to walk, and still no improvement in his vision. He collapsed at the 33rd temple, Sekheji. And he was invited in by the abbot, Yamamoto Taigen Roshi. The pilgrim said, I'm nearly blind. I don't know how to read. I cannot chant the sutras. Can I become a monk? I'm sure this question has occurred to quite a few people, and they can recite the whole litany of why this could not possibly happen. Can even I devote myself? to the great way. Yamamoto Taigen Roshi said, you cannot become an ordinary monk, but with perseverance, you may become a true monk. You will learn to receive with your heart. I can tell you that it's because of, not in spite of, our impediments that we can muster the strong determination to become true practitioners of the way. Almost all our great teachers of old went through periods of great adversity. Huckling Zenji said, the taste of green tea is bitterness. Thus, 
it supports our practice. So Taigen Roshi ordained the 25-year-old pilgrim, giving him the Dharma name Gempo and his own surname, Yamamoto. With perseverance, you may become a true monk. That was exactly what Enpo needed to hear. <clears throat> so after practicing there and at several other monasteries, his eyesight did improve a little. He learned to read and write. And he often served as Tenzo, saying, I knew how to cook everything. My body was weak. I had no education, but we must all do our share of the work. A person who can cook, cooks. A person who can write, writes. Everywhere I went, I cooked. My eyes were bad, but I cooked. Now we too may think, oh, I'm not good enough. I'll just stay in the background, let others do it. No. Be Tenzel. Persevere. Whatever role you are asked to take on in the Zendo, in your life, don't think, oh, I can't do that. It's not about not being good enough. The more you do it, the more it simply is done. And you are done with it. When Genpo was 43, Taigen Roshi passed away. And Genpo returned from his travels to Sekeiji to become the abbot. But after five years, he left. He knew becoming a true monk meant continuing his training. He went to Empukuji and did so under Sohan Genpo Roshi. And he received Dharma transmission from Sohan Roshi when he was 49 years old. On April 13th, 19. 74, at Daibosatsu Zendo, in his Passover Teisho, Songoshi told us how Gimpo Roshi became abbot of Ryutakuji. He said, when my teacher Yamamoto Genpo Roshi was about 50 years old. He decided that he wanted to go to Ryukakuji to rebuild it. His teacher, Sohan Roshi, did not agree. Sohan Roshi said, that place is very damp and full of moisture. If you go to such a damp place with your terrible neuralgia, it will kill you. Oh, Ryukakuji has fallen into disrepair and there are no longer any monks living there. Hakuin, the founder of Yukakuji, is not subject to such conditions. He cannot be found under his memorial tower, nor is he in any of the monastery buildings. Hakuin is not such a person. To this, Yemporoji answered, 
It is because Hakuin is not such a person that I want to go. Swamiji replied, if this is the case, then you may go. Wonderful Zen conversation, Swamiji said. And he also said, we need a great deal of endurance for purification to take place. Yenpo Roshi had an extremely painful case of, of neuralgia. What he endured in his life was incomparably more painful than what you are going through with your zazen during this session. He got this condition as a result of working very hard before he became a monk, traveling for many years barefoot on pilgrimages. So you may say, well, that's a good cautionary note. I guess I'm not going to push myself. So Moji continued, though this terrible pain he accumulated through, excuse me, through this terrible pain, he accumulated the virtue of endurance, which is a wonderful virtue indeed. Here is a story. Just before one Rohatsu session, Genpo Roshi, who is then a monk, decided that despite a painful boil he had gotten, he would not move during the entire week. So, for seven days, he sat in Zazen without moving, enduring great pain. During that Rohatsu, he said, he had a wonderful experience. This is what is meant by accumulating virtue of endurance. Tomorrow, during our final purification ceremony, along with the names of the other Buddhas, we will chant Namu Endurance Butsu. You have all accumulated the virtue of endurance during this session. Anger, Greed, jealousy, irritation of all kinds. All of these we must pass over through the power of endurance. Endure. I will drink tea. So although he had no formal education, Gempo Roshi gave penetrating Teisho. And his commentaries on the Mumonkan, a gateless barrier, are particularly treasured. Here's an excerpt from case eight. Some of you know this case well. Getano Sho asked a monk, Keichu made a cart whose wheels had a hundred spokes. When the wheels and axle are removed, what is it? How does it function? Gimposhi said, Completely take off the pair of moving parts, both wheels and also the axle of that cart of Keichu's. With them removed, what does it become? Ketan is not asking about the cart. If we take off someone's hands, feet, and head, 
where will they be? However strong the arms of that person may be, or how strong their legs may be, or even if you say, oh, they've got a good head or something, when you've removed their head, removed their feet, removed their hands, what has their body become? Well, you might answer, dead. But death is by no means the only possibility. The matter is not settled. With death, you can't capture that person with no limbs, no head. If you really manage to catch him, what you've actually got is, quote, the whole universe and I have the same root. All things and I have the same body. And he said, when you yourself finally get to be in such a total condition, you can live an orderly life without suffering your world broad and wide. You're now practicing for the actualization of your true nature. The best thing to do is question everything. So Gempo Roshi was sent to establish a temple in Manchuria with Soen as his Inji accompanying him. And in his journal from the fall of 1937, here's what Soen wrote, his monk. Not yet, Roshi. One day after morning service, as usual, I crossed my legs in the lotus posture, place my hands together, elongate my spine, and make my dharma body immovable. On this day, I go into a dawn samadhi that is bright and clear. Broad and wide. Nothing, not even Buddha Dharma, is in the way, let alone the wasteful delusions of the transmigration of birth and death. In this samadhi of samadhis, the lives of the ancestors enter my life my life enters into theirs now i can touch upon the essence of an earlier dharma dialogue i had with Gimpo roshi i knocked on the door of his tiger's cave and went into doksan I was scratched by the master's great, compassionate claw, and I experienced my original before-birth childhood, ending that dawn practice, glaring through my own tiger's eyes. Well, perhaps because of his vision problems, Gempo Roshi's Dharma eye 
was acute. He could see what others missed. He could see immediately what was not aligned with the truth. There's an interesting passage in one of Suwon Roshi's Teisho from uh, what is this one done? This is also from the Passover Teisho. During the Edo period in Japan, before Hakuin's time, there lived another great and wonderful Zen master named Banke. Students at DBZ have been investigating Banke. At the same time, there lived a blind man who, because of his blindness, possessed very keen and very deep intuitions. His spiritual eye was extremely clear. And he once said, when I hear people talking to each other, I hear someone praising his friend, saying, I'm so happy for you. I usually detect in the deep corners of their minds some trace of envy. Or when I hear someone consoling someone else, saying, I'm so sorry for you. I hear, mingled with this, the trace of a glad or happy feeling. When I hear people talking to each other, I hear that their expression is not transparent. Their words are all right, but the feeling behind them is impure, mixed with jealousy, bad will, etc. But when I listen to Banke, I hear only pure, transparent feeling. And so in Roshi said, this is why we must train, train, train. Make our everyday life just like Seshin in order to achieve this transparent condition in our everyday life, this precious, everyday life. Let us keep this condition of mind while eating, sleeping, throughout our changing lives. Let us keep this mind. The minute we become careless, it is spoiled and destroyed. Our present bodhisattva mind is like a newborn baby. So we must be careful and mindful with it. Although he was usually quite gentle and unassuming in his demeanor, when necessary, Gempo Roshi could be quite severe. And here is an example from Edo Roshi's introduction to Endless Vow. One day, Gempo Roshi asked monk Soen, to accompany him to the temple where he had been ordained, Sekeji, on Shikoku Island. Remember his pilgrimage? He stopped there, was rescued, and eventually was ordained. Genpo Roshi went there quite often to express his gratitude to his deceased ordination teacher. On this occasion, the war had just ended, and traveling by train was nearly impossible. 
Overwhelming crowds of people would wait for days for trains, which ran infrequently and unpredictably. When a train did arrive, there would be a mad rush, not only for seats, but for standing room or a place to hold on in a doorway. Gempo Roshi and Monk Soen found a spot in an aisle. Gempo Roshi sat on the floor, squeezing his body into an uncomfortably small spot. Monk Soen, however, sat in full lotus on the floor. Many people admired his Zazen concentration. On the way back, there were the same overcrowded conditions. Upon returning to Ryutakuji, Genpo Roshi called the monk to his room and scolded in a thundering voice. What's the matter with you? Zazen is not a performance. Under such circumstances as we had, you must think of others and make yourself as small as you can. That is Zazen. Get out of here. Monk Soen, who had been so admired, left Genpo Roshi's room, humiliated and angry. He went to a pond at the Mishima Shrine and jumped into the water. Mulling over his teacher's words, he understood what Genpo Roshi meant. He returned to Yutakuchi and apologized. When I worked with Edo Roshi and Kaz Tanahashi on Endless Vow, the Zen Path of So Nakagawa, this book that I've been reading to you from, I heard the story of Genpo Roshi's role in ending World War II in the Pacific. The Prime Minister, General Kantaro Suzuki, asked Genpo Roshi's advice in a secret meeting in Tokyo in April of 1945. Genpo Roshi told him, we must endure what is hard to endure and persevere in that which is hard to persevere in. Those were the very words used in the emperor's radio broadcast announcing the surrender of Japan. Genpo Roshi also told the Prime Minister that the Emperor should not rule or take part in politics, but should instead be regarded as the sun shining in the sky, as a symbol of the nation. And that phrase was used in Article 1 of Japan's new constitution. So Genpo Roshi restored Yutakuji and revived the practice there. He was invited to take the honored position of chief abbot of Nyoshinji, one of the headquarters of Rinzai Zen, although he soon returned to Yutakuji. He made the Koku pilgrimage 17 times. And at the age of 60, 
not speaking any other language, traveled through India, Africa, Europe, and the United States, where he met with Yogan Sanzaku. He was renowned for his bokaseki, Zen calligraphy and painting. Many examples are, of course, at Yutakuji, but also at Daibusatsu Zendo. He's been called the 20th century Hakuin. At the age of 92, he said of his brushwork, I'm finally getting the hang of it. It's easy to be impressed by what Genpo Roshi accomplished against such great odds. But what he did not do is perhaps most impressive. Just don't strive, he told his monks. He wasn't erudite. He wasn't a Buddhist scholar. Indeed, no formal education. He worked with his hands, whether cutting wood or chopping vegetables or doing brushwork. With poor vision, he devoted himself to whatever he did with utmost concentration. He didn't tell. He showed what it means to live as a true monk. So that, quote, with continuous training of body and mind, our very being becomes a real sword under any difficult circumstances in human life, because of our training, we have the confidence to overcome obstacles. 1950 decided to retire and installed Soen Roshi as abbot of Yutakuji in 1951, and 10 years later, on June 3rd, he passed away. Soen Roshi, whose haiku are so highly regarded that he's been called the Basho of the 20th century, wrote many poems to his teacher. Genpo Roshi. Here's one from spring 1953, two years after he became abbot. Basking in the sun, my 88-year-old teacher, budding branch of plum, And from June 3rd, 1973, the 13th anniversary of Genpo Roshi's death, two poems. First one. Born deep in Kumano province, pulling a raft and digging tree roots, 
he was almost blind. But through a mysterious unfolding, his true eye was open. And the second one, just now, just a person, just a free ride, just. I want to read you one more journal entry by Soen Roshi from August of 1975. On the morning of May 16, 1961, 19 days before his passing away, I visited Genpo Roshi, who was convalescing at the hot springs of Takekura. He crawled out of bed and said, give me a brush. We students were flustered, and in consideration of his condition, we put one table on top of another and spread paper out for him. He said, in that position, I don't have the strength to transmit my energy. Please take away the tables. He sat formally on the floor as usual with the breath flowing through his entire body he inscribed three large characters he had been asked to write the characters for birthplace to be used on a stone to mark his native village at unomine in kumano but instead he wrote Gempo's stupa for his tombstone. Total birth, total death. Gempo Roshi vanished into vast space at age 96. When I see his last calligraphy, I am overcome with tears. His image is so vividly before me. I remember his compassion. He only asked about my health, although he had been sick for three years. And here is Soenoshi's haiku for his teacher. Summer birds shrieking in circles since that night. Well, here we are with the pandemic receding thanks to vaccinations at least in wealthy countries and we are now beginning to re-engage this is a fraught time in itself we can easily find ourselves caught up in a frenzy of outward involvement. After a year of solitary practice, we hear people wondering, what can we do and when can we do it? certain excitement, but also maybe 
some foreboding too. What will these coming months bring? I don't ask you about the first 15 days of the month, Umon Zenji said. In the koan, every day is a good day. But what about the days after the 15th? How about after your year-long solitary retreat after the full moon of realization. Edo Roshi told me how Genpo Roshi responded to Umon. I have no idea what next year will bring, or even next month. All I know is the sun rolls out of the east each morning and sets in the west each this has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.